you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber coming to you live from various locations. As Joe says, Dow futures up 400 as J&J and J.P. Morgan kick off earnings season with some signs of strength. Ten states are beginning to work on plans to reopen parts of their economy. Maybe in May, the Fed launches a commercial paper funding facility today. Uh, Jim, there is an argument uh, that calls for a retest on stocks are beginning to fade. Are you going there yet? No, I, I, yeah, I pulled it yesterday. I thought that yesterday was a really important day with the Dave Costin uh, change. I did a lot of work on uh, help with Larry Williams, one of the greatest charters, about how many times when you have a 50% retracement more, uh, or more, we have had a retest. And the answer is almost never. Uh, and I think that there are a lot of people who come on. Someone came on this air this morning and said, listen, in every single case, you have to have a retest. That's completely untrue if you've bounced up 50 percent. And beginning last Friday, that's exactly what we did. So there are some things that change. There are things that better. I know there are a lot of people who say, well, look, this whole thing is based on just large cap companies. Well, that's what we do. I mean, we're not trading luncheonettes here, Okay. And that is not a uh, any sort of uh, said to the detriment of luncheonettes. But we're not trading hair salons. That's not the way it works. We trade large capitalization companies that do better than smaller ones in this environment. And that's life. Is it fair? No. But it's what we do for a living. Yeah. Although, Jim, as you said on Squawk a moment ago, uh, small business is a function of employment and hence demand. And that's right. where you are a little bit more cautious, I would argue, right? Yeah. The degree to which demand comes back, the speed with which demand comes back. But, I mean, I know there's some people who are saying, Jim, it's just because you're in the New Jersey, New York area. Well, you know what? I'm in the New Jersey, New York area. And I, as much as I would love to think I live somewhere else, I, I, I know that I live in a climate where uh, you're really feeling great about Costco because they have a very definitive plan to make it so that you don't have any contact with somebody else. Maybe others thrive on contact in places where there's not that much of a pandemic. But I've got to tell you, to the people who thrive on that, it's coming for you. It's not, we don't have a vaccine. We don't. I mean, J&J, fantastic company. They're the ones that are closest to a vaccine. They are going to be doing human trials in September. I've got Glaxo. They just got together with Sanofi. They're talking about the end of next year. But what do we need? We need, con- we need contact tracing. We need testing. Okay. And we need something to get you out of the hospital faster. And we don't have any of those three. So, I mean, I'm kind of right. waiting. And now I know that that's heresy to even just put the triad out there. But it is the truth. I mean, the truth is, is that we're not safer than we were. And we know that this thing is much more contagious. We don't have masks for everybody. Maybe when we get all of those things, a mask and the contact tracing, the, the thing that, that Google came out with yesterday with Apple was fantastic, but it was completely dismissed by the government. I look at it and say, listen, if I want to be open for business, but I really want people to come. And I don't feel that right. you have it in this area. Maybe, yeah, and know, antivirals also an important. I'm sorry. Antivirals also an important part of that too, yeah. Jim. I think we've mentioned that many times. All the things you just said, plus the antivirals. Many people believe then we really would do. Your point is a good one. I hear it as well. That perhaps we're given the area that we live in, of course, and how hard hit we've been here. Uh, that we don't have a view that much of the rest of the country has. That may very well be true, but I think your point's an important one in terms of what I continue to hear from business leaders uh, is that it's going to be a recovery that takes a lot longer uh, and that a return to true uh, behavior prior to the virus spreading in this country um, is just not going to happen until all those things are in place and even then until people fully understand and believe that even if they do get it, they won't be end up in the hospital uh, uh, and bridging us from that point to the point where we have a vaccine. Right. Look, if, we, look, if the Gilead drug, remdesivir, was only 50, it was a very small sample, we get 68%. You know, we can get that to say 80%, 85%. That means that you think that if you go to the hospital, you get out of the hospital. That will change a lot yeah, of people's but attitude. That's, but that's 
Maybe, Jim, but that's 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 the middle ground. I mean, you want something where you can take the oral and uh, an oral antiviral, but when you immediately test positive before you even have any symptoms, that's what you really yes. want and need. Yes, uh, I also and, want, you know, the, the remdesivir is important, but it's it's infused. It's in the hospital. You don't want to get to that no, point. Wait, and that's not necessarily going to stop somebody from thinking twice about. I don't even know, you know, touching your right. packages when they're but delivered. Yet, yesterday, Google and Apple and in two weeks, they came up with something that made it so that you can have this. If you give your if you're willing to give your information to public health, which I'm willing to do, they can flash you if you were net within 10 to 15 feet of someone who had it. So it just your thing, your alarm goes off and you go get tested. And that's what we need to get back in the game. We got to know we got to get tested ourselves, say that we're OK. We have to make. Yes, David, has to right. be instant. OK. And then we have to have a warning system that makes it so that we were uh, that we touch someone or we're near someone or on a bus that was near someone or a subway that tells us, you know what, that person had it. Now you got to go back and you got to get something uh, uh, or you got to self-quarantine. We don't have these things yet. I mean, but, you know, when you have to plan that we do, I mean, I, I think it's a moving target. You certainly I mean, Carl, look, I think if they decide, you know what, we're going to wait till we have all those things and then open for business. That's too late. That's the hard place. You got to start thinking. I mean, I was thinking the NFL's talking yeah. about having a season Thanksgiving. So maybe they play six games. You know what? People may laugh at that, but they have to have something. Why not have some emergency plan for <laughs> if things go better? We got a gazillion emergency plans right, for right. things go worse. Well, we're not the only ones uh, trying to talk about where the parameters are here. Uh, J.P. Morgan, guys, we got to get to it eventually. What do we make of these credit reserves, Jim, and the assumptions that are baked into that? Well, I I actually thought it was better. I mean, I I didn't feel like that the dividend was in question. Uh, I kind of felt like that this is a time when you compare it to Europe where we absolutely have this phenomenal cushion uh, that really did work and does work. I know that that Jamie Dimon, and I'm going to talk to, to Wilf, who's on the call, but I thought Jamie sounded very confident. When I, when I got the bullet points, I was looking. And look, the one thing that I'm sure David is is, is thinking about is that the uh, the amount of money they drew down, the 50, the 50 billion uh, on the existing credit lines. Well, I mean, I don't know, David, what should be the what should be the potential loss on those? That's a, that's a question, right? They fulfilled, obviously, the obligation there. Right. I don't know what the loss is going to be. Neither do they. We obviously are monitoring the call and we'll bring you anything of importance as we get it. Uh, but they did add $6.8 billion to reserve specifically for this period of time, in part for some of those revolvers that have been pulled down that right. may not get fully paid back, one would assume, but cards also. You're talking here not just about corporate uh, indebtedness, but you're also talking about uh, people who are uh, obviously losing their jobs and unable right. to pay back on their credit card uh, 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 as well. I mean, Jamie did say, you know, that these these it was necessary to reserve build this reserve because of the likelihood of a fairly severe recession. Wells Fargo, by the way, only added four billion, I believe, to its reserves. We also are obviously going to monitor that call when it occurs a bit later in the morning. But were you surprised at how many accounts Wells Fargo added? I mean, Wells Fargo seemed pretty good when I went over it. You know, of course, this new CEO, Charlie Scharf. This was a bank that's supposed to be in purgatory. But there they go, adding, adding accounts, good loan growth, uh, year-over-year deposits, $1.3 trillion, up $75 billion, 6%. I mean, I don't know. I mean, for a company that is regarded as a black sheep in banking, they got a lot of, de- they got a lot of deposits. Now, who knows? I mean, now everything's changed. And, you know, it, here's a line that I, that I worried about, and maybe Wilf will deal with this later. I'm looking at Wilf. This is the first time I've seen anyone from the network. Hey, good to see you, partner. And it's interesting. What are they excited about? Over 16,000 of their ATMs were open. Whoever thought that that would be what we'd be yeah. excited about? Open ATMs. Yeah. Assets under management, uh, the vast majority of ATMs operational. And, Jim, if... Um, if we get a sense that the reserve building is done in Q2, uh, that's going to have major implications for how people view not just these stocks, but the trajectory of the economy overall this year. Yeah, well, look, I, I, some people are, I'm beginning to think that that I'm living in the wrong area. Uh, oh, here's some clown that says Kramer's very afraid. Oh, give me a break. You know, what am I afraid of? You go to work every single dinner. day. You can't, I'm afraid. You're not, you're not that afraid. I mean, I come here. I came back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah, I was afraid. I had this idea. I said, there's this pandemic coming. I don't care that nobody's dead. This thing is going to devastate our country. So I was afraid then. Yeah, clown. 
Sorry, it's supposed to be Jimmy Chill. But, you know, look, I, I do think yeah, that take it we're, easy. We're, take it easy. we're getting numbers. I mean, I, look, I thought J&J, when J&J came out, the first thing they did was they talked about the dividend, dividend increase. I said, uh-oh, geez, maybe they're not reporting. But then, you know, but they gave you that. They said, listen, we have that. Then they gave you a forecast. And I said, like, holy cow, a forecast. We have a forecast. I like J&J. And then Listerine. Oh, my God, the numbers are fabulous. And it's not just stocking. Listerine's back. I mean, I'm sorry to have, like, be happy for little things. But if you want to call me afraid, that's a bad call. That's a bad call. Um, the, you know, yeah, on the uh, JPM say, Reserve, say, though, Carl, yeah, um, there is the question is, of course, what we're going to see for this this quarter uh, and right. whether or not that six point eight billion, to your point, is actually to take care of what they believe will occur or is simply uh, going to be incremental and they're going to add a lot more. And we don't know. We may get a little bit more color on the call in terms of what specifically they're seeing in terms of the trends for the first 14 days of this month. Right. That's what you need to know. That's what you need to know. Why would you take out a loan if you don't have any Meantime, customers? guys. We need customers. Anybody got uh, any customers? A, yeah. Well, Jim, that's exactly what you got to um, with Chip Berg of uh, Levi's last night on Mad Money, as we have now... Ten states working on various plans. There's this consortium in the Northeast uh, on how do we reopen the, the economy potentially in May. we got Cuomo saying the worst is over. This is what Chip Berg told Jim last night. We're trying to learn a lot from how to come back to business, what happens with traffic, how do we manage hours, how do we manage store expenses, how do we get the consumer back. And we're learning a lot through that that will inform how we go forward as some of the Western markets begin to reopen here, hopefully real soon. Right. Uh, direct to consumer went from 30 to 40 percent. All right. Here's a quiz, guys. What market is on fire? What market is he doing the best in right now? What's the number one market? How about Wuhan? This opened in Wuhan and it's crushing. <laughs> It is. It's crushing it. I mean, he said, listen, Wuhan is just great. They just had a grand opening last week. They reopened. It's the biggest store. And it does say, look, you know, there's hope. It's just it's hope in another country. But I do think that that Chip made a very compelling case that iconic brands will survive. And I point that out because Disney, a lot of people talking about, well, wait a second, ESPN, they're taking pay cuts. And Disney, it's cautious in Shanghai. But Disney's iconic brand. Iconic brands are going to survive. Non-iconic brands will not survive this. And I think that that's, you got to decide whether Levi's is something that's 167-year-old and it's going to make it. Now, what is not going to make it, I don't know. Are people going to come to a stadium, Levi's Stadium, for football? Do you want 70,000 people who are sitting there fist pumping and high-fiving? I'd say no. I don't know. I mean, there I am afraid, okay? I, I don't want to do that. But maybe you guys are cool with that in Thanksgiving no. time. Uh, Jim, uh, well, uh, there's a you know. Zeke Emanuel of uh, University of Pennsylvania uh, says that large-scale gatherings, conferences, sports events, live concerts, in his view, not safe until the fall of 2021, which I think is probably longer than some people are thinking. Yeah, that is. Uh, I, I think that yeah. there's really a question how quickly you can make the vaccine. That's the problem. That vaccine is hard to make. J&J was very optimistic. They know more than I do about making vaccines. Seems like, yeah, well, particularly yeah. when you got to make get 7 to a lot billion more, doses. Right, right. Uh, Jim's got Glaxo tonight. When we come back, we'll get to some of the calls that are out on the street today, including some on Netflix, uh, another downgrade of Deer. There's some stuff on Square. Talk about Roku and some other names as well as this Tuesday uh, gets, ro- gets rolling. We're back in just a moment. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. If a governor issued a state home, when you say my authority, the president's authority, not mine, because it's not me. This is when somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total, and that's the way it's got to be. The authority is total. It's total. It's total. And the governors know that the authority of the president of the United States, having to do with the subject we're talking about, is total. 
That's the president at the briefing yesterday talking about presidential authority in terms of reopening the economy, even as governors of about 10 states now work on plans to reopen parts of their economies next month. Our Contessa Brewer is watching that for us today. Hey, Contessa. Hi there, Carl. Yeah, these governors think they have a better shot at getting it right if they're working together rather than going it alone. So you've got the governors of Oregon, Washington state and California in one coalition. And on the East Coast, six states up and down that I-95 corridor. Many of these people live in one state and commute across state lines to work in another. And the, the working group says it will develop data-based protocols with representation from each governor's chief of staff, a public health official, and an economic official. Former Pepsi CEO Indra Nui will represent Connecticut on that front. But while they're cobbling together this coalition, President Trump insists he has the sole authority on reopening. We don't have a king. We have a president. And that was a big decision. We ran away from having a king, and George Washington was president, not King Washington. So the president doesn't have total authority. And the president is just wrong on that point. This is a lot more than just political back and forth, and here's why it matters. You need widespread testing before you can get the economy running again to prevent another outbreak. And Cuomo says, look, I don't have these tests. You certainly don't want another bidding war between states like you had for PPE. Leadership from the federal government could solve that, or Cuomo suggests a coalition of states. But opening the economy means opening schools so that parents aren't prevented from working by childcare restraints. You need mass transit to move all those people back and forth. And these are really local and state level responsibilities. The states need the federal government, though. They are running out of money. They are lobbying for $500 billion in the next relief bill. So some level of cooperation is going to be best for the American people, guys. Let me ask you, Contessa, are people thinking about opening up, including this uh, group in the east and group in the west, because they're betting that in the next three weeks we're going to get many more tests from, say, Abbott? which allows us in Detroit, where it's working terrifically, really to try to figure out who has it and who doesn't. Uh, I'm told that Illinois has thousands of, uh, of machines. Nobody's really using them. It's disorganized. Uh, they can certainly contest that. But are people saying, you know what, we are going to have so much testing, so much contact tracing. We're going to have so many antivirals that we just got to be ready. Or are they just going to say, hey, you know what? Hey, good luck, everybody. It's caveat emptor time. Because if it's the latter, that's a little difficult. Jim, no one is saying that. No one. And the reason why is because they say there is no way to know. We have no idea whether this is a plateau that is sustainable. Right now it's happening because the governor says of social distancing. What happens when you start putting people gradually back into a workplace? What happens if you decide to reopen schools and the children are largely asymptomatic but taking coronavirus back home to their parents? These are all big complicated issues. There can't be just one simple solution to a complex problem like reopening the economy. It's gonna take a lot of uh, high-level, detailed work to get this done. And the, the way they're tackling it, by bringing in someone who can tackle public health, someone who can tackle the economic part of it, and someone who can tackle the government part, I think it's, uh, you know, it's their way of trying to figure out how do we come up with data-based protocols. All right. That makes sense to me. Got to have something good. David? Contessa, thank you. Uh, Contessa Brewer reporting, of course, on uh, those various responses. And by the way, on that subject, Jamie Dimon on J.P. Morgan's earnings call talking about when we get back to it um, and saying the consequences, of course, of reopening the economy. Uh, you know, it's beyond that. It's mental health. There's things like domestic abuse. So many reasons to try to get back. Hopefully, he says, sooner rather than later. But he said it won't be May, maybe June, July. August. We'll have a lot more on JPM, on Wells Fargo's earnings, J&J, and the overall markets as we do appear to have a higher open in store when we come back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, 
a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Time for a mad dash. Jim, we want to talk a little Tesla. Takes me back to the days when we would mention that automaker rather often. Yeah, we used to be next to each other. We had kind of didn't have to look at you in that beautiful house. Certainly down, you know, I missed downtown. David, credit suites that go from sell to hold, 415 goes to 580. Near term, expect some supply shortages. They even have like rent issues. But long term, they are so much better than the legacy automakers. David, doesn't it feel like the old days? I mean, here's a guy who obviously missed the move, right? He had a sell on it, but he's hoping to sneak it in. Doesn't know that we see that we have a show that we can point it out that he's 415 goes to 580. Credit Suisse using. Using this moment, the fog of war, to go from sell to hold. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For a stock that obviously is still up 55% this year. Yeah. That's right. 2020, Tesla shares still up over 55%, Jim. Well, you, you know, David, I just think that, remember, they don't have to advertise. People love them. The other guys are... So hobbled. That Ford quarter yesterday, the pre-announcement was miserable. I mean, we're just seeing a have and have not, David. The Tesla balance sheet is better than the Ford balance sheet. I don't know. Oh, man. Yeah. It is. It's no, bizarre. Right. It'll be like Ford, a mugly. But, but, I mean, you know, it's a little yeah. Superman-like. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's kind of a strange time. Even as a... I, yeah. A JPM last night said global auto sales peaked a trough the last two months is already worse than the financial crisis, and obviously we're uh, not done yet looking for declines. We do want to get to our Steve Leisman this morning. Morning, Steve. Morning, Carl. Uh, The G7 just out with a communique in which they support uh, an extraordinary widespread debt forgiveness for emerging nations and the poorest countries out there. Certain criteria have to be met, but uh, guys, I've covered uh, the uh, debt uh, restructuring of the Soviet Union. I covered Greece, never seen anything like this. Each country is an individual fight among creditors here. Now the G7 supporting widespread debt forgiveness. This will be of interest to uh, emerging market bondholders and others. We'll see how this works. Uh, And there are certain criteria involved, but the G7 stepping up and actually acting with with quite a good, uh, quite a good accord here, uh, given how they operated uh, together before this virus. Carl. All right, Steve. Uh, Fascinating. Uh, Jim, you look at G7 looking at entire nations, uh, lenders and uh, landlords looking at individual renters and borrowers. Uh, The National League of Cities today has a survey that 2,000 cities are looking at uh, budget shortfalls this year and obviously planning cuts in advance of that. Right. I I think that the debate in the uh, for the next phase of lending from from Congress is something that that, that Speaker Pelosi talked about on uh, my show Friday, which is what do we do about these hospitals? What do we do? I mean, at least municipalities, you can issue short-term paper and it looks like the Fed will buy it. Uh, but I, I do believe that there's just this gigantic void where uh, a lot of companies, a lot of, uh, a, a lot of hospitals are really getting hurt. And yeah. a lot of hospitals rely on the kindness and charity and Wow. And then no elective. David, you mentioned it the other day, no elective procedures. Yep. J&J, the one line that you didn't like was the elective. People just can't get their stuff right. done that they want. No, if you, I mean, the, and by the way, that is the profit source for many of these hospitals. Right. But also, many of these hospitals where they are are typically amongst the largest employers in their communities. Yes. That's something else that's, that's very important here. We're not just talking about their importance from a public health perspective, but they employ a lot of people. Uh, and it is a, a key here to restarting and over the overall economy is getting them back to where they were in the New York and tri-state region, where we are, of course, these hospitals are overrun, unfortunately, right now, or many of them are, although handling it. But in many parts of the country, guys, they are, were waiting for something that didn't really come. And they've stopped, obviously, taking 
even you know people who need chemo, um, uh, heart uh, people who are having heart issues uh, that perhaps have pushed off a procedure of some kind. And so uh, there are so many ramifications for the system not being fully functioning at this point. Yeah, I mean, I know Abbott Labs are talking about some heart issues that they can put off. I mean, whoever thought you put off heart issues, but Abbott Labs doing incredibly yeah. well. Uh, I, one that I just think we have to start watching uh, is Dollar General as just a gauge of our country. This is an on-fire stock. You're about to get some money from the government. Uh, people do not go, although Restoration Hardware is doing quite well, people do not go to Restoration Hardware is going to get that money. They're going to go to Dollar Gen. And this stock is probably even at 22 times earnings. Uh, maybe the best retailer other than Costco, Walmart, and Amazon. I mean, better than Target. So watch Dollar General this week when the checks come, because that's where people go. Todd Bezos, he's a very good manager. They don't, they're not going to Dollar Tree as much. Yeah, speak- Dollar Tree has some, uh, some execution yeah. issues. Speaking of the checks, Jim, uh, Mnuchin did say yesterday 80 million Americans uh, are expected to get them as soon as tomorrow uh, via direct deposit. Of course, it's those who uh, don't have direct deposit that uh, will be tougher to get paper money to. Uh, but that's, uh, that would be a good start. I think that's a great start. I mean, there's something that I'm, I'm incredibly positive about because I think people feel a little bit better. They've got something coming in. There's a lot of people who feel like, you know what, I don't have enough coming in. My business is down a lot. The small businesses are down horribly. You know, you mentioned about the uh, not people paying, not paying rent. And when I look at these REITs, yeah. I keep thinking, all right, come on, what's the truth, guys? I mean, how many customers, how many people are not paying rent? How many of your tenants are just saying, hey, you know what? Go ahead. Make my day. Try to get rid of me. And I think that's a very important figure. We need to have it. We don't have it. The REITs have pretty much skated so far. Yeah, you know, I mean, Jeff Blau, the CEO of Related, was on Squawk Box this morning talking to Andrew. uh, That was a good interview. Because your point's an important one. And we do have some sound from him. Perhaps we'll be able to play it because he did give some insight into how many people, Carl, they are or how many retailers they are actually getting paid by. The numbers, as you might expect, are fairly small. Oh, Dollar General opens up five. Well, that's just great. I mean, look at this. People hate it, you know. I mean, there's a lot of people at home who cannot stand that the stock market's able to do what it's doing. But there is a why don't people understand that the stock market itself can be divorced from the U.S. economy? The economy that they're involved in is, again, we are not trading nail salons. We are not trading rug stores or small jewelry stops. Stop. We're trading the companies that are the largest companies on earth and that are pretty well capitalized. And the ones that aren't drew down a lot from the J.P. Morgan's of the world. So, you know, forget the irony for a second. You know, it, it, it's what it is. I mean, our companies are strong. Forget the irony of Wells Fargo not doing horribly. Because they're not. Right. Why does everybody or, not right. understand Or they're going to the capital markets, Jim. Or they're going to the capital markets, even ExxonMobil, uh, borrowing up to, out to 10 years, I think. But oh, did you see what they, billion but, dollars. Okay, David, did you, yeah. see how little, did you see how little you get if you buy their buy? 30 years, 3.4? I, I, yeah, I happy days are here again for Exxon. They're for, they, three years, 1.5. Who, who, David, who buys that? Who buys that stupid piece of paper? I don't. Well, I mean, in this environment where rates are extraordinarily low and you can't get any return, I guess there's, you know, the spread is larger than it's been in a very long time. But the actual number, to your point, is still extraordinarily small. Um, that's important for ExxonMobil. And clearly some some investors willing to step up for those kinds of yields, even though well, they do don't think, seem like too much. Do you think do that people are, you know, there's not going to be electric engines, you know, kind of taking over by that point 30 years from now? I know, look, look, when you talk to the old guys, they always just say, they don't say you're an idiot. They leave that out. But they say, that, guy, look, it, it, it's still a combust, it's a combustion engine lifetime. And, but how do they know? Well, the people who buy that 30-year right. piece of paper, they, they seem, that's a risky piece of paper, given about how you could take out nine and a half million barrels a day and oil doesn't go up. Yeah, for 3.482% yield. Um, sorry, that, was that the 30? I think. The 30. Uh, or, no, 3.452. Yes, yeah, 3452. Do you remember when we wouldn't. 30 year paper. When I started at Goldman, there was a piece of paper, U.S. Treasury, that was 14%. I could not get a soul to buy it because it was backed by the full faith and credit of some country that was, had tremendous turmoil. It was post Jimmy Carter. There you go. Right. 
Right. And by the way, to your other point, I mean, Disney takes out a, a $5 billion um, revolver, 340-day right. uh, revolver as Summer well. Summer Shanghai's with open there, David. Uh, Summer yep. Shanghai's open. Yep. Hey, I'm not afraid. You say I walk um, around with gloves and masks. Why should I be afraid? That's, that's totally, like, real, right? I mean, didn't we always do that? What do you guys say? You guys have N95? Yeah. What, kind of, what kind of model are you carrying over there? In your mask, you got an N95. I don't have enough masks. I don't. I don't have any. If, I got to get some. If I had some. a mask, I don't know. you. If I, the I only one mask, I have is the one uh, you gave me months ago. I wore yeah. the same. Yeah. I wore the same uh, the mask same here, for six Jim. days straight, man. Because I don't have one of those machines that makes it clean. I'm just saying that is there. There's two yeah. worlds here. There's the world where we come in and we got our gloves and our mask, and then there's the world where the screen is all green and they don't have anything to do with each other, and that's okay. It, you, that's okay. But does that does that does that stick? At some point, does the market reflect an economy that has been severely hit and may not be as quick to come back as as the market seems to think? Well, I think you have to look. The, one of the best um, articles I've seen is that you you look at the New York Times. They have this piece about what people are doing and what they're not doing. And if you're Netflix, you know, you're thinking to yourself, wow, this is the greatest economy in the world. But if, if you're a place that is uh, involved with uh, taking people from one place to another, it's not so great. I mean, I noticed that the cruise ships are up. The cruise, people are saying that the cruise ships, the numbers are better for next year. Well, terrific. I mean, there's a, that's a lot of optimism, right? Pretty good. Well, Jim, at 2,800, at 2,800, uh, give it a 17 and a half multiple. You're talking... One hundred and sixty dollars in in S and P earnings for the year. I mean, is that does this seem like a level at which you would want to chase? I know you were saying earlier it's this is a return to single stocks, but I mean that's not very much of a discount on earnings for the year. No, I read David Costin's piece and he's sticking by his three thousand, and I said ah, that's kind of crazy. And then I said, well, I don't know, we're twenty eight hundred. It's not so crazy. I, I do think that. That we're dealing with the best of the best today. J and J is the number one drug company. Uh, J P Morgan's the number one bank, and they're really good. And I just think that they may create a full sense of security. Yeah, guys, we were talking as well about retail. Jim was mentioning, of course. Sorry, uh, Carl. This this question of who's going to pay rent and the REITs. Uh, we did get a little bit of color that I wanted to share from Jeff Blau, of course, related. Uh, the large real estate investment uh, trust, they, uh, uh, the Hudson Yards development on the far west side of Manhattan with a lot of commercial tenants, but also an enormous mall, not to mention their Time Warner Center further uptown, gives you at least some sense here as to what when he says what they're seeing from their retail uh, from their retail tenants. Take a listen. The soft spot, as you know, has been the retail sector and you know, whether it's, you know, our, our Hudson Yards or Time Warner Center or the malls throughout the country, uh, all, those, all of those assets have really suffered, and our tenants are suffering. Um, I think a lot of them are waiting for the government relief programs to kick in, and hopefully that will help. Um, but we collected across our portfolio about 35% of the rent. I heard the mall portfolios are down to roughly 20%. Um, so it really depends on who your tenants are, how strong they are, uh, their capability to pay, um, and, and, and most importantly, how long this goes on. There you go. How long wow. this goes on, guys. That's a key, of course, because that was April. So what's May going to look like is a key question. I thought that was the most important interview of the morning. When I listened to that, I said, what the people are just saying, hey, you know what, I'm not paying. And then there's this chain where you look at, uh, David, you've called WeWork. I mean, isn't WeWork just a gigantic yeah. sucking hole in the real estate market? Yes, uh, it is. And it will be. It, listen, you know, there's a lot of, when it comes to commercial and what's going to happen there. I posited this theory last week, of course, so many people working from home, the idea that employers now are going to look for a certain percentage of their employees to work from home. So they're not going to need more space. At the same time, though, in the workplace, you're going to have a demand for spacing. People don't want to be on top of each other. WeWork, of course, is an example where people work closely together in those spaces. They are, by the way, the, they, rent, they lease from so many of the big owners as well. They don't own a lot of their space also. And Jim, it's a key question, certainly in some of the markets such as New York or even London 
and others where WeWork is a large tenant, what's right. going to happen given these new constraints, it would seem on, well, when people do come back to work, they're going to want more space. And that's not necessarily conducive to it, not to mention, of course, the small and medium-sized businesses that use WeWork that are simply not going to be in a position to rent space anymore. More space, less money. No one wants to pay those old rents because we know that there's not going to be a lot of business formation. Look, I've got a guy who's into me saying, listen, do you know how many people have bought apartments in order to rent them on Airbnb? I mean, there is this shadow economy that developed that could crumple here. Uh, Fortunately, a lot of these developers are private companies. And so you're not going to feel their pain. Not that you feel their their pain anyway. No. But Simon Uh, Properties, Carl, we mentioned WeWork. Yeah, Simon Properties, of course, always comes up when you hear from Jeff Blau. It is up today. They are still in that deal to acquire Taubman. Of course, you got to imagine they wish that they never signed that deal. Um, but on the subject of WeWork, Carl, SoftBank yesterday, we didn't really get to it, but a lot of coverage of it today. I think the Japanese market may have been closed yesterday, but a lot of coverage of the losses yep. taken at the Vision Fund. Of course, WeWork being one of their keys, but not the only one on which they're having to take significant uh, write-downs. Yeah, uh, Robert Frank did a nice uh, wrap-up of the WeWork story this morning, guys. Uh, number one tenant in New York City, right? Uh, Nine million square feet, yeah. one hundred locations, half a billion in rent every year. Uh, J.P. Morgan, the number two uh, New York tenant. Yeah, Jim, was, I did want to ask you about uh, three names. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Amazon, all-time high today. Uh, Netflix, near a two-year high. Roku, best day since uh, March twenty-third. Of course, they see Q1 streaming hours. Up 49. I mean, what do you do with some of these names? Well, I think Amazon's the largest position for my travel trust. Why? Because it just keeps going higher. Uh, they hire an additional 75,000 employees, which is rather remarkable. I mean, Netflix, what can I say? I mean, the, I think the crowning moment of the, of the show, of the president's, uh, president's uh, press conference, was when he was asked about Tiger King. It, 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 Tiger King. I mean, that was an out-of-body moment, right? I mean, Netflix doing incredibly well. <laughs> I, it, it, that wasn't... It is a little bit of the theater of the absurd, yeah. right? Thanks. Mr. President, do you, what do you think about Tiger King? Uh, but the, Sorry. <laughs> for real. But, <laughs> no, it's... I mean, come on. It's, it's for, but I think, I think Netflix is a great stock. I, 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 people want to stay at home. How about Bobby Kotick today with Activision Blizzard? I mean, Call of Duty. What can I say? It's what, this is what we've devolved to as a... Kind of a late-stage capitalist oh, yeah. country. But Amazon, oh, I mean, man. look, I can get a, you can get a job walking by Amazon. I mean, how about the Amazon guys who they ring your bell and then they run away really quickly, can't even find them? It's like, it's kind of like mischief night. But I still keep their boxes. Um, I, I still keep their boxes outside for a day because I'm careful. You do? Yeah, I kept a box outside for a day, an Amazon box outside for a day. I'm not sure why, but I did. It's not clear that this thing really can live on surfaces that long or is transmitted that way, but might as well be cautious. Oh, that's how on, much, that's I how gotta much look we know at the, about out, I feel like we're really, we really know. know a lot about COVID. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the problem, yeah. I think, is the lack of true facts that we can all rely on. Um, Carl, I, you know, you got girls, but man, I'd say my older one, uh, on the subject of video games, the hours because I get this report from Microsoft, were staggering, truly staggering. But what are you supposed That's to impressive. say? That's you impressive. Know? So, you, you, know, you ever, call like, of does duty. she, like, you know, maybe Fortnite. like a book there? Like, you know, like a, maybe like even a I like try, a man. I am trying. I am pushing, huh? pushing those books. There's some really good books back there. The president talked can't, about Hemingway last week. on that one. said the captain it, it was like Hemingway. Maybe you get to start with Hemingway. Mm. And ask for whom the bell tolls. Well, guys, uh, it's because of some of those names that the, the NASDAQ 100 is down only 2% for the year. Uh, just astounding, the impact of names like Microsoft and Amazon. We do want to get to Wilfred Frost this morning, who has some highlights from JPM's conference call. Hey, Wilf. Hey, Carl. Uh, so the key focus uh, throughout this morning has been uh, provisions for credit losses. There was an extra $6.8 billion for the quarter, uh, as, uh, and that splits roughly Two-thirds from the consumer, mainly credit cards, one-third corporate, which is mainly oil and gas, real estate, and retail. But how big is that $6.8 billion number? Well, it's a build in one single quarter, bigger than they've had to do for an entire year since 2010. It increases their total reserve build, uh, built up over many years, of course, by 40%, the total at $25 billion. And that means they've now reserved against roughly 2.3% of their entire trillion-dollar or so uh, loan book. 
Importantly, CFO Jim Peepsack said on the call that they were factoring some of the potential benefits from various government bailout programs and an improving economy in the second half of the year. So it's still not a worst, worst case scenario. Here she was on the call. After we closed the books for the quarter, our economists updated their outlook, which now reflects a more significant deterioration in U.S. GDP and unemployment. If that scenario were to hold, we would be building in the second quarter, and bills could be meaningfully higher in aggregate over the next several quarters relative to what we took in the first quarter. A primary unknown is the duration of the crisis, which will directly impact losses across our portfolios. CEO Jamie Dimon said getting uh, back, uh, hopefully, the economy will get back hopefully sooner rather than later, but it won't be May. We're talking about June, July, August, something like that. What about the positives in the earnings? Well, trading very strong. That was expected. Less expected, asset management saw AUM increase by 7%. Impressive uh, in these declining markets. Even most of the flows were into money market funds. Guys, the stock is up a couple of percent this morning. Uh, interestingly, it's up 29% from its 23rd of March low. It's down 29% uh, year to date, which also marks uh, its 2020 high. So right bang in the middle there of the, the recent sort of three or four month ranges. You know, Wilf, I think that March 23rd low, one of the things that Carl asked me at the beginning of the show, uh, how do you feel about the retest? That March 23rd low was uh, absolutely a, a, a crash. Mm-hmm. It was a crash like I haven't seen since 87. I mean, prices just, we lost control of prices. We didn't know where the market was. We thought that there were stocks, like if I looked at Starbucks, it was 56, then it was 52, then it was 54. And that, that J.P. Morgan was part of that morass where you just didn't know where the stock was. That was very much like Monday and Tuesday of the crash. So I think one of the difficulties of trying to think that we're going to retrace is that we didn't know even where stocks were. That's mm-hmm. how broken the market was that day. I look at J.P. Morgan, J.P. Morgan's stock is down huge. So, I mean, the idea that it's just kind of stabilizing in 100, Wolf, you got to admit, it's nowhere near where the thing was. Uh, so it has taken a big hit, even though it's not where it was on March 23rd. Right. It's down 30 percent still uh, year to date. But, but, Jim, as you rightly say, uh, right on that 23rd of March peak of panic was because the market was trying to guess what percentage of the economy was going to go bust, uh, which becomes uh, a guessing game. So you see outsized moves. And I think that, again, comes out key in this earnings call. Jamie Dimon said as well at one point towards the end of the call, he said that uh, you're foolish to try and model these things. On one level, we've never dealt with an economic hit as dramatic as this. On the other hand, we've never dealt with government programs like the PPP lending uh, program. So again, I think at this stage, you're trying to gauge, and he was very clear on this, saying we're going to have more provisions in Q2. We don't know what those are yet. You're trying to gauge how many companies are going to go bust, and that relies very much on whether these government programs work or not, how long they have to run on for. They, they can only do it one quarter at a time yet. So uh, they're, trying to, they're trying to give all the numbers they can, but it's definitely not the worst-case scenario yet. Well, well, how about this theory? That uh, companies where you can work at home, those are winners, and they're going to do well. And companies with great balance sheets, winners do well. And everybody else, it's every man for himself. I, I think that's very clear. And again, he said it's going to be company by company and, and sector by sector in terms of uh, where these credit losses come out. The, the one thing I would go back to is that total provisions, not just from this quarter, built up over time uh, against their entire loan book is just over 2%. I mean, th- that's high relative to history. But in these crazy economic times, do you think that's as bad as it's going to get, even though J.P. Morgan always has uh, great quality of customers, fortress balance sheet, et cetera, et cetera? 2.3% of their entire loan book doesn't feel like it's a worst-case scenario yet. And again, Jamie Dimon saying there on the call, we're not going to open in May. It's going to be sometime over the summer, hopefully. Has the market priced that in yet, or is the market expecting a reopening uh, and a broad reopening sooner, sooner than they're expecting? So I think there's just huge swing factors still to come. Yeah, Wolf, they also gave a, a number on the uh, dollar amount of checks that are yep. out the door on that PPP loan program. That you mentioned. Yeah. And so in the slides this morning, it was eight billion. Uh, on the call, they updated it to nine point three billion. So uh, shows the, the scale and the pace of, of how that's going. I think that related uh, off the top of my head to thirty six billion that's been approved. Nine billion is out of the door so that the rest of that uh, clearly going to come. Over three hundred thousand applications uh, they'd received J.P. Morgan uh, alone. And again, this comes back to that point that if and when we see all of the companies 
get the money that they've, see, they've wanted, I think we'll look past the imperfections of the rollout uh, and be able to commend the scale of this program, which just vastly, vastly goes beyond anything the Small Business Administration has ever had to do uh, in the past. That was the tone of what Jamie Dimon was saying uh, on the call. He commended the SBA, he commended Secretary Mnuchin and the banks as a whole for getting to this point. Clearly, that's no consolation yet for the small businesses that have applied and not got the money yet. That said, I think uh, that the numbers that are out of the door are still very significant relative to history. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, well, thanks for that. It is amazing. Um, you know, Carl, yeah. I'll tell you, people want to go to work. And I, I do get the sense that a lot of people around the country are ready. Uh, and I think a lot of stores are ready. Uh, but will people have that extra dollar? Uh, will they feel, and that's why I think that this last program, putting some money in the pocket is good. But I, I do think that we're going to run out of customers rather quickly unless we can get more testing. And testing is the key. And then an antiviral is important and then contact tracing. Look, all these things do matter. We can't just unleash people and say, you know what? Hey, the pizza parlor, we're ready. It, 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 we just. I know. I, I, you know, we had a pizza. I bar. agree, but mm. as the German, the, the, the German health minister told Wilf yesterday, uh, antibody tests maybe in two to four weeks, and that would be a real game changer wow. in terms of making people comfortable enough to, to get out. Uh, guys, let's get to Santelli this morning on a, what's obviously a very busy start to this Tuesday. Hey, Rick. Hi, Carl. You know, if you look at a one week of tens, we really have now hunkered down. All I could think of is Casey and the Sunshine Band because 10 years are stuck in the 70s. A high 70s, good resistance, low 70s, good support. And my guess is we're going to spend some time here. Curve is still pretty steep, though, hovering right around 50 basis points. It's all about high yield. Now, today we know the Fed's going to... Uh, unveil and actually begin their uh, commercial paper program. But many eyes are still focused on what's going on in the less than investment grade space. If you look at the ETF HYG for one week, gee, do you think you can guess which day the Fed decided they were going to buy high yield ETFs? Yes, it was the ninth. You could see that big jump. Now, if you go to Barclays high yield and look at a year to date, you could see that before that occurred, we were hovering in the 1200 basis point camp. 1,200 over treasuries. They lopped off almost 400 basis points. And if you look at what's going on with the investment side of the equation on Barclays investment grade, that was almost 400 basis points over treasuries, and they almost cut that in half. The moral of the story is, is that if you were one of those unlucky firms like Carnival that issued their paper days before the Federal Reserve decided they were going to jump into the uh, deep end of the ETF high yield pool, well, in a way, they were penalized because if you buy everything the Fed buys, as many investors have, there's been a big wave, if you see on those charts, of the spreads coming down. But unfortunately, those companies that maybe did the right thing a little bit early before the Fed decided in a potentially questionable way to get involved in this particular asset class, well, of course, the investors did well, but the issuers, well, they could have saved probably tens of millions on servicing their debt. Carl, back to you. Yeah, I'll take I'll take it, Rick. And it's a it, it's a good point. Of course, the Fed is coming in as well to sort of help those fallen angels that were investment grade and no longer are. But uh, very important to watch that high yield market. We've got a lot more uh, coming at you on Squawk on the Street, including continue to watch the overall market with the S&P up two and a half percent this morning and down only twelve and a half percent for 2020. We're back at this. Some breaking news out of NBC News. Uh, former President Obama is expected to endorse his former vice president, Joe Biden, in a video to be released later on this morning. We're going to look out for that. Dow's up 575. Uh, Nasdaq on track for its fourth day higher, longest win streak since December. Uh, later on this morning, the CEO of Unilever will join us as well. We're back in a minute. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Yeah, uh, there's a company I like very much, Square. Uh, and UBS has a piece called Deteriorating Spending Undermines Our Thesis. Valuations rebounded, downgraded to neutral. I think that really encapsulates a lot that's going on right now. The stock's going up, okay, but they're worried about the spend for Square. And I think that that's what's confusing a lot of people is they're saying, wait a second, how could Square be up two bucks today, UBS downgraded? And I think the answer is, is that people expect that there's so much money coming into the system 
from Treasury, from the Fed, that things will be better. It's just a matter of when and not if. And I think that that's kind of where I share. It's like the if is off the table. The when is when I am concerned about. Not want to do too soon and don't want to do too late. And those who don't understand that that's really the issue haven't talked to anybody, whether they're in government or business. It's like, don't want to be too late, don't want to be too soon. That's what everyone's worried about. So, I mean, if you think that that's not what yeah. people are worried about, you're just not attuned. You haven't made a single call, and you're sitting at home in your jammies. <laughs> that's jammies. Maybe you got the Dr. Denton feet. Uh, yes. Or they're that's boxers. Right. The jammies, they're not just, boxers, you know? not just for futures traders anymore. Yeah, I mean, I mistakenly uh, have Jim, to call what's on that everybody. tonight? Um, GlaxoSmithKline, they've got uh, with Sanofi, these are two companies that know how to do vaccines. They're getting together. I, we got to be hopeful. And Dr. John Cohen, I, I think a lot of the problems are with the testing companies, the, the, cell, the labs. And he's bioreference, and I think he's uh, turning around a lot of these tests. We got to have more testing. Those who don't think we have one more testing, like, do you ever, there's this guy Fauci, okay? I mean, he's there all the time. You might know him as the point guard that got Regis pretty far. When he, when he was in high school. I actually know him as like a distinguished doctor. All I'm doing is parroting what he says. And if, if that's wrong, well, you know, I don't know. Who am I supposed to talk? You know, I don't know who else to trust. The guy seems like he's a good guy. <laughs> he's saying the stuff I'm saying. Jim, does the NDX deserve to be almost flat for the year? I, I don't think so. Uh, but there are companies in the NDX that are crushing it. And that Amazon, it's like, if you look at Amazon, I never wanted Amazon to be, to be 7% of my charitable trust, but I, w- I don't want to sell any Amazon. It's fantastic. Costco's great. Microsoft is driven. This is the big triumphing over the little guy. And if you don't mind making money in the market off that, that's what's going on. The companies that dominate in the NASDAQ are just, they're killing companies. They're just crushing it. So, yeah, I don't, th- I, there's just an imbalance. There's just some... Very big companies doing very, very well, and a lot of other companies that are not. And they don't matter. Uh, that's, it's the, yeah, we keep coming back to this winner-take-all uh, dynamic uh, that will really probably is, be in equities for a long time. It's winner-take-all, loser-take-none. Sorry. Jim, we'll see you tonight. Yep. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, No one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. 